Welcome everybody to Shark Without Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. Got it that time. It's very hard to say at once. Uh, my name is Dylan. Uh, with me as always is my co-host John Gillen from beautiful Colorado, which is hopefully not on fire right now. No, no. Currently it's not okay. That's good. Drinking from a Starbucks mug, John, uh, are we? Yes. Yeah, I am. Calling you out on the PCAST. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's it's my France mug. I should have my Dublin mug. I don't know. You have a st- you have I, I don't know where to start with that. You have a France mug that a com- a country renowned for coffee, but it, you bought it in Starbucks. I'm not drinking Starbucks out of it. And okay, I didn't I will... buy it actually. I, I, I my father brought it back from France. It's a pretty okay. mug. Like I... <laughs> You know. It's got a, it's got a picture of France. And, yeah, it, yeah, it's it's the giant French manor of some sort. I don't think it's Versailles, but it's very pretty. We'll, and it we'll makes save it for. Her. Yeah, <laughs> I've got artisan craft coffee in it, so eat that. That's God, you 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 hipster. Um, sweet, we will save that discussion for our coffee podcast. Um, so guitars, they're still a thing. We still play them. We still talk about them an awful lot. Um, so we put out our ear training episode last week. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, sorry about the radio silence again. Things have been, you know, really, really busy uh, as, you know, everybody's really busy right now. And um, even the people that are doing nothing, they're busy thinking about doing nothing. Um, so uh, my look of the week, uh, it, is, it is, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm a bit hyper. Um, my look of the nothing week. Nothing is this the time, best kind of busy. That's, 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 I like that. Um, so, Lick of the Week, it's my choice. Uh, and I was inspired by a recent guest that we had, that we interviewed. And I was like, I need to go back to this guitar player's, uh, you know, this guitar player's discography and his best moments. So I went on a little bit of a YouTube rabbit hole. And uh, just so, yeah, John, have, have a listen. Let me know. Okay. I'm a little nervous here. Here we go. Um, yeah it's a very niche reference i'm kind of catching you off guard because it is a type of guitar in that that is he would not normally play but uh yeah any any yeah, guesses because uh, i mean i would say that does have a little bit of sort of a you know phrygian aldemiel kind of sounds but man uh no, I, no like, that's that's as, that's as close as I could get. I would say like it has, but the the big intro, you know, gives you sort of more of a proggy sound, kind of along the lines of like a dream theater. Yes, yeah. Um, and John Petrucci, but I don't. Think okay, good. Okay, Petrucci. Good. Yeah. Well, you know, kind of close. Um, but way off. Uh, no, so definitely Aldi Miola influence, but this is actually uh, the very because so this is from Megadeth's Holy War is the Punishment too, um, from their Rust and Peace album with Marty Friedman on, and we recently uh, discussed Marty Friedman with Chris Zupa and how he was his favorite guitar right. player. Yeah. So Marty Friedman is like an enigma of a guitar player in terms of what he does. He is kind of all over the place. I think he hosts game shows in Japan now, something like that. Um, But he is like an an incredible player who I mostly know from the few albums he did with Megadeth. 
Um, just a really, really interesting in terms of his his choices of just phrasing and like this little guitar part is just it's crammed in the middle of a really heavy song and the I think it's the opening song on Rest in Peace uh, which was like the album that really kind of cemented Megadeth um, early 90s it was kind of around the same time mm. that Metallica released the Black Album uh, I personally prefer it to the Black Album I think it has like a lot more interesting stuff going on especially guitar wise the oh, really? uh, so the yeah so uh, and uh, Holy or is the Punishment Do is my favourite Megadeth song is the best song to put on a running playlist because it is just like big slow riffs that kind of build and build and there's just yeah the drums are incredible so yeah marty freeman as a player john would you be very familiar um you know i know him from mostly the megadeth stuff and a couple of yeah. his solo albums i wouldn't say he's somebody i've gravitated towards heavily i and i think part of that is just a lot of times his choice of tone ah um, okay interesting you know similar similar to paul gilbert like don't get me wrong i love paul gilbert but sometimes his tone is just kind of like really shrill. And I think some of that too is honestly the way the Megadeth albums were produced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they tend to be in that classic thrash metal, like scoop the mids kind of mentality. And it just kind of leaves it. But um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, what, besides Chris Zupa, what was kind of the thing that that prompted you to to dig a little bit deeper into into Marty Friedman as a player. I, I just think, so Chris has been transcribing, I think he's, he's, he's transcribed so many Megadeth solos. And it's just, it's, it's, it's funny because it's like, it is as close as, it, like apart from Metallica, Megadeth is one of the closest things you get to mainstream heavy metal. Like they've sold like 40 million albums or something. They're like, you know, mm-hmm. huge, you know, sellers back in the day and still going. I mean, I know that yeah. Dave Mustaine had some health issues. Um, and the thing is like, what does, it's funny you mentioning the tone. What really puts me off Megadeth is the tone of Dave Mustaine's voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think sometimes it sounds like, you know, anthrax fronted by Daffy Duck. <laughs> and uh, um, or Donald Donald Duck rather, um, just that kind of like really kind of raspy, and it's fun. Like it's 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 fun at times, but it's just I think when it when it's the instrumental stuff, that's the stuff that I really really like. Mm-hmm. And in terms of Marty Friedman, I think it was just like it's good. Like I stuck a bunch of their stuff on a running playlist. Started running. Uh, went to a physio yesterday. She was like, "Stop running. You've been running too much." Um, so <laughs> it's it, that was kind of where I, I I go back to Megadeth every now and again, especially that rust and peace album um, there's this there's a song on it called tornado of souls which i freaking love and hangar 18 and yeah it's 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 great so i think like you know we were talking we as part of our uh, weekly kurt hammett bashing and um, we were just saying how yes. good marty freeman was and just it, it just didn't compare like you you can't even compare when you think of the big four hmm. we, we were we you know we got kirk We've got Marty Friedman. I can't even name the players in Anthrax. And Scotty Ian. Scotty Ian, yes, sorry, very good yeah. rhythm player. Um and a great uh interviewee if he's you know on a on a on a show. But mm-hmm. I, I find that with uh, and then you got Slayer, so Jeff Hanneman and Kerry King, who, you know, good rhythm players, very, very fast. Yeah. But as far as soloists go, I think Marty Freeman is like a real cut above the rest. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I, why I wanted to bring him up, all the points that I've mentioned. 
Yeah, fantastic. Great. Sweet. So, so we have a very special guest. Um, I'm, I love having Irish guests on the show. I think it's, um, you know, it, it's really, really nice to kind of shine a light on the local guitar community. Um, you and I were, you know, we have been members of Guitarist Ireland, the Facebook group in the past, and there really is, you know, uh, there are some really talented players in, for, you know, for such a small country. Um, so, John, why would you? We have we have Connor um, McGarren from the Enigma division on. So, John, you were the one mm-hmm. who suggested Connor as a guest. Um, what about? Connor's playing and his his work kind of inspired you to bring him on the show. Um, I've been following him for a few years um, and and really started kind of coming across his stuff when I was in Ireland. So he's relatively well known in the guitarist community in Ireland as as kind of a um, a progressive metal type player, kind of a shred guy, right? And I think one of the things that really intrigued me about it was. It, the metal scene in Ireland seems to be a little uh, lacking, might be, or very niche, might be a better way to put it. You know, you have to know your people and know your way around. Yes, but Connor yeah, seems I would to know everybody and has gigged with everybody at some point in time. You know, um, he seems to have connected with people like Philip Joyce and and those guys and um, and a lot of the other guys in Guitarist Ireland. So he's he's very active in the community, very active in, in just building up other guitar players and very encouraging. So it just seems like a really warm, exciting guy. And then some of the videos that he's posted, whether they're like his arpeggio licks or just him kind of in this recording process for the Enigma division um, and his mm-hmm. Zerith stuff as well. It's just, it's, he's a monster player. And I thought, yeah. you know, what what a great guy to get on to talk a little bit about uh, being a guitarist in Ireland, talk a little bit about just playing and, and recording and, and the whole process of of what he's been doing over the last couple of years, building this new band. And there's some exciting stuff coming out there. Yeah, okay, that's a very good, I suppose that's more of an introduction than we, um, you know, you've covered everything there. Perfect. So I suppose we'll just jump straight to the interview that we uh, recorded a couple of weeks back with Connor. So uh, yeah, enjoy. We'll discuss afterwards. Sweet. So we are here with Connor McGoran, um, Irish guitar player extraordinaire, um, currently working on, a, would you call it a project? The the Enigma division. How would you define it, Connor, um, in terms of what, uh, it, it's like, it's a band, it's an album. Um, it, it's it's a musical project with a lot of like really really high class Irish musicians. Um, could you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Um, but listen, first of all, thanks a million for having me. Much appreciated. Um, yeah, it kind of started off essentially as a project. Really, I mean, it, we started kind of thinking about doing it sort of mid to late 2017, and uh, so it, it kind of started the. It started with basically two people: so myself and another guy called Roman Burns. And we kind of have been playing music since we were kids. Like we, we kind of learned guitar together and we grew up together. So pretty much from the age of 10. So in a way, it's, it's been a band in the making for the last uh, 25 years in a weird way. So, but we finally got together. And um, so it, it was essentially a project. Then Ben Wanders, who is a magnificent drummer, uh, musician from Limerick, um, basically came to the fold. Um, I'd worked with Ben previously in a band called Zerat which were a UK-based band, actually, but, um, but myself and Ben played together in that band towards the end of the band. Um, so it was kind of a no-brainer getting Ben because he's just such a great musician. I knew he'd kind of elevate the music to, uh, to the level that we kind of wanted it to be. And uh, so it became sort of a trio, really. <laughs> so it's sort of a... And then on top of that, uh, we just decided, well, to give the songs sort of... 
each song is sort of a unique kind of sound and we thought it'd be a good idea to kind of make it somewhat a project and have different musicians involved and that's kind of where we're at now you know and it's actually thankfully come together as planned you know so far <laughs> you know so uh that's where we're at amazing yeah, yeah i i know ben from limerick he's a like he's one of the best drummers in the country like he's, oh man he's... i mean we, we we really lucked out with him you know it was um we kind of had a crisis back in the day with um with Zara, I mean, we uh, we had the original drummer leave kind of around 2016, and uh, basically just due to life and commitments and, and whatnot, and you know, these things do happen. Uh, but uh, we needed a drummer quick. We were just about to go on tour, and literally the first guy I thought of was Ben Wonders because I knew the guy could do it, you know. And we basically, I think we gave him something like crazy, like a week and a half to learn basically this ridiculously complicated set list, which he completely nailed. So, wow, incredible! That's amazing. So as far as as far as the Enigma division goes, I would say I I would probably call it kind of dream theater meets synthwave. Do you feel like that's a that's a fair <laughs> assessment? No, that's uh, that's pretty much uh, spot on. I guess. I mean, it, like the funny thing is, is that myself and Ron. I mean, we write the bulk of the material really, um, like musically. It's uh, yeah. I mean, we we kind of listen to mainly a lot of synth and electronic music and film score music, um, as opposed to guitar music anymore, oddly enough, even though it's a guitar podcast. And so, so the idea was to kind of mix those elements of like, let's say synth wave and film score with sort of uh, riffs and just full on groove, I guess. You know, so. Yeah. The riffs are mighty. <laughs> like it's the <laughs> only really way to describe cool. them real like chugging and I, I suppose just to bring it to that um in terms of like guitar influences um who would be your go-tos in terms of players that really kind of got you playing and you know really excited you when you were starting out yeah i mean wow i mean there's so many i mean of course there's always key guys i mean when i was a kid um i think my first kind of guitar heroes were guys like um gary moore obviously being from dublin you kind of escape uh, gary yeah, moore yeah of course um then I kind of got heavy, you know, on my own way, just got into guys like, obviously, um, well, I kind of started off more into sort of rock bands and metal and things like that. And then I suppose in my 13, 14, sort of got into the whole guitar virtuoso thing with uh, Satriani and Vi and Malmsteen. And then that kind of went on to sort of more fusion and progressive music. And then I got really heavy into uh, Alan Holdsworth and uh, a guy called Sean Lane, just an incredible guitar player. Mm-hmm. Insane. Um, Absolutely, you know, and uh, and the thing that always kind of puzzled me about him was that, you know, a lot of people always emphasize his technique, but I mean, there's so much musicality there, which is, you know, yeah. you slow down one of his lines and you can hear, you know, Charlie Parker, you can hear, you know, there's so much going on. Um, I just love his use of kind of odd groupings as well, which is really interesting. And um, Eric Johnson was another one, absolutely loved him. Uh, Frank Gambali, uh, Brett Garsed, I mean, there's so many. Michael Schenker, I love kind of old rock players too, like Michael Schenker, yeah. John Moore, those dudes, you know, <laughs> yeah. so it's, uh, it's sort of a melting, I think probably like yourselves, you know, so many, you know. Yeah, that's Absolutely. interesting. It's, uh, so just out of curiosity, somebody like Gary Moore or Rory Gallagher, since I've got two Irishmen here in front of me, how, for for those of us, so I grew up in the US, right, and like I, I was aware of both of these guys, uh, but I don't think I was aware of how important they are for Irish guitar players. Like, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, uh, wow. I mean, it's, it's, it, do you know what it is? I think it's, it's, it's sort of a pity that guys like Gary, they never really made it um, 
you know, in a big way in America, unfortunately. Now, people that, I mean, of course, there's people in America that know who Gary Moore is and they know how, how great mm-hmm. and influential he is. But uh, in Ireland, there wasn't as many, um, we weren't exposed to as much really as, as the States really at the time. And I mean, we kind of really was more hearsay. And then, you know, people, you'd be, you know, I started playing in uh, very young. I mean, sort of gigging around 13, 14. Yeah. And there would always be people talking about Gary Moore. And, you know, you got to check this, uh, check this album out. And I remember there was an album in particular, um, Corridors of Power, hearing that when I was 14. It absolutely just blew me away. I mean, his phrasing, his vibrato, his... Um, and that's the thing. A lot of people equate him as a blues player. But man, in the 80s, that guy could shred. <laughs> that guy was... Uh, he really was incredible, you know. But yeah, no, his importance on, on Irish guitar players, it's uh, it's it's in, cemented. I mean, but funny enough, actually, in Europe, you'd find Roy Gallagher and Gary Moore would be very influential as well. Um, mm-hmm. um, I remember playing in Germany and, and Sweden, and, and people would always talk about, if, if they found out I was Irish, the first thing they would say would be Roy Gallagher and Gary Moore. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Sweet. So just in terms of the um, the Enigma division, um, like you hit number one on the iTunes uh, metal charts, which is like... Which is crazy. <laughs> congratulations, man. That, that's that's Thanks, incredible. Man. Um, so you've released two singles from it. Um, oh, well, I suppose the first one was, uh, the first uh, video, the 1977 was kind of like a, a teaser for the album. And that's right, then you yeah. released... You released the Neon Mirage earlier this month. Um, how do you go about, like, what's your writing process for something like this? I mean, you can really hear the film score elements, but in terms of, like, from a guitarist's point of view, how, where, does, where do these ideas come from? Yeah, I, it's, that's a really good question. I mean, for me personally, I mean, everyone has a different process, I guess. Um, for me, it kind of starts off with the progression, the core progression. Mm. So if it's something that kind of, you know... Um, would move you, you know, or makes you, you know, kind of, you know, it would affect you that way. That would kind of be the basis. And it kind of builds from the core progression. And then we'd sort of start kind of playing around with riffs and ideas to kind of give it some sort of substance. Um, that would be kind of the start of it. Um, but we kind of do set sort of, I mean, with this album in particular, um, it's shoehorned by two songs. So it's basically 1977, which is the teaser that actually mm. opens the album. So it's uh, that would be, and every sort of musical motif in that um, repeats again uh, in the last song. Cool. So the last song is sort of a 20 minute song, which is uh, where those motifs will repeat. So it's kind of shoehorned with those, uh, those tracks and uh, the songs in between are kind of standalone. Sweet, so it's kind of like a, you have like this recurring light motif like in a like in a film score, that's exactly the idea. Yeah, no. So yeah. it's those those two songs in particular. It's we myself and Ronan were massive sort of uh, space nerds. So we kind of wanted to kind of write a love letter to Carl Sagan. Was really the whole point of it. Wow. Okay. So is that the the concept really behind this all? Is that one of the main inspirations? Yeah, pretty, for making? Well, well, exactly. You know, especially those two tracks. So 1977. That was pretty much the launch, the year that Voyager launched, mm-hmm. and. Uh, the end song kind of comes uh, is the answer to that, you know, so I won't give too much away because we have something really cool planned for that actually. And uh, so that's, uh, it's shoehorn, or sorry, bookmarked with them. And then uh, these sort of the tracks in, in between are sort of their, their own standalone thing. Class. That sounds Fire. great, man. Yeah. The, uh, do you guys have kind of an official release date for the whole thing? We do. Um, kind of what we're doing um, is we're going to be releasing more songs along the way. And in fact, we have a new one coming out, uh, which, funny enough, is a complete left turn to what you guys have heard already. So I'll be curious to see how, uh, how it goes down. But um, it's more definitely that one's more synth wave. 
But uh, yeah, we're, we're looking, hopefully we'll have about five tracks released before September. So September we'll release the whole thing. Wow. Okay. So, and how many, how many tracks in total? Uh, there's nine altogether. Sweet. Okay. Cool. No, and are you guys hoping to tour on it in the near future? <laughs> Provided everything I mean, opens up again. Well, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. No, it's uh, definitely something we're looking at now. It's just a case of logistics because I mean, we have so much going on. I'm, I'm playing keyboards on this album as, a, as, as well as guitar. So trying to figure out, I mean, I'd, I'd say the, the obvious thing to do there would be track the, the keyboards, which was similar to kind of what we did with um, my old band, Zerat. We, uh, we kind of had, that was very orchestrally influenced as well. And obviously we just don't have money to spend on an orchestra. And we'll probably end up having to track some things, but, uh, but definitely it is something that we will uh, hopefully perform live, I'd say, towards the end of next year. Wow, that's, so wow exciting. that's fantastic. So 2021 is what we're looking at then. That's it, yeah. Okay. I think everything's on pause. Everything's on pause right now until 2021. (laughs) (laughs) Putting a pin in it. Um, Sweet. So, I mean, I suppose from a guitar point of view, I mean, it sounds like this has really kind of pushed you. I mean, you're you're playing keyboards as well. Like, would you? So, do you teach as well, Connor? I used to actually. I taught for many years. it, mainly in Dublin, uh, there's a couple of kind of music schools that I used to teach. And then I also would, you know, teach privately just for, for people that asked me pretty much if I was free. It's like, yeah, sure, you know, come on over. You know? So I have so a little would, experience. Would, yeah. Class. So would you still, would you still play on, on a daily basis? I do. Now, obviously, you know, that's always the thing with uh, time and, you know, you get into relationships, yeah. life change. Oh, we know. You know <laughs> time is definitely uh, important, but it's, def- it's something that I really think is... Uh, is important you know it's uh like i always emphasize and even back then i did was emphasize uh putting emphasis on routine i mean having a routine is just crucial mm. i think with keeping uh your playing i mean even if it's half an hour a day which sometimes can be hard for some people to find but i mean uh, yeah just pick, getting that half an hour and really focusing on you know you know developing your technique and working on you know just maintaining your technique and uh, i think that's so important you know it's uh you'll get some people that they might practice for 10 hours a day and then they won't touch it for like a month, you know, which, you know, that'll only benefit you, I think, in the short term. But I think if you really stick to a routine, um, well, for me anyway, because, I mean, it's, it's, it's kept me playing at least, you know, my fingers yeah. are yeah. somewhat in shape, but uh, no, definitely. Yeah, we're, we're big on the whole routine thing here. Um, in fact, I think, I think that was one of our most recent episodes. But for you then, what does, what does your practice routine look like? And how do you approach that? When you say a routine, like, are you thinking a day in advance, a week in advance, or you just sit down and go, you know what, I need to work on this particular technique or yeah. write an exercise. And how much, how much is it like, do you sit down and actually write an exercise and say, you know what, that, that seems like a good idea. I'll work on that this week. Absolutely. Um, probably on, uh, I mean, it changes all the time. It wouldn't be every day or anything like that, but it would be consistent in a, in a way that, um, I mean, funny enough, I, I'm, I'm a terrible guy to ask because, you know, obviously a lot of players would say, you know, oh, you got to work on your weaknesses. Um, I was never one to do that, sadly, and that's why I suck <laughs> at a lot of things. You know, it's so a hot it's, topic uh, on our. It's a recurring topic in terms of our podcast, like what to focus on in terms of do you do you analyze your weaknesses and focus on them, or do you just play to your strengths? Exactly. Well, that's exactly. Um, you took the words out of my mouth because I mean, I really. What well, and again, I'm, I want to stress that this doesn't. I'm not saying this is what you should do. <laughs> this is what I do, and it's. Um, I I used to focus on my weaknesses, and I would make some. Um, um, 
progression with that or improvements with that, but, uh, but not enough. I mean, I'm not that I'm impatient. Well, I, I guess I am impatient. I found that um, playing to my strengths, funny enough for me was more beneficial actually. Um, mm -hmm. I found that it just, um, it made certain aspects of my playing that I thought were, weren't as bad as the others. Just, uh, yeah, it's slightly more, you know, shine through a bit more and have a bit more um, clarity and strength to them. Um, I mean, you know, I tried playing flamenco guitar. I sucked at it. <laughs> I realized, you know, so it's uh, <laughs> definitely a pick guy, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I mean, for me, it's definitely, I would sort of base my practice routine on my strengths. I would usually kind of set, you know, uh, always with a metronome because I find for certain things, you know, repetition is, is important for only technical things. Mm. Um, but also kind of trying different ideas. I mean, I would always, you know, write new exercises over, you know, a broken chord or arpeggio and apply them over different chord progressions and um, because that will really help to de develop your ear i think you know it's um mm -hmm. it, it's like we all had that sort of that that moment where the penny drops and you realize oh my god the major modes you know like g major scale that's the same as c lydian or it's you know you realize oh it's all connected and it's sort of it's basically going forward with that idea like realizing if you play something more you know um in the melodic minor or something like, you know, that a C augmented. Oh, well, that's the same. I could play that over, you know, B flat 13 or E7 sharp 9. You know, it's just that kind of development of ear and, you know, trying different ideas like that would be something I would probably focus on uh, practicing. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's great. I, I think that it's a few things you said there. I mean, we always love, we always encourage um, metronome use when we're talking about practicing just in terms of, because when it comes to like actually recording stuff, it's like it's invaluable as a as a like as a skill to have to be able to play to a click absolutely absolutely yeah, it's a big thing so uh, just just to ask are you are would you be a um would you be like much of a gearhead in terms of like w what you recorded the uh the album with yeah uh funny enough no uh, which is i used to be <laughs> uh, it's funny actually i was only having a chat with my friend about this the other day i mean i thought jesus i used to have 20 guitars you know i think it's wow. I've, I've whittled them down to about six now and uh Gear-wise, I mean, what I used for this album was um, pretty basic. I mean, what I do is I kind of would use uh, the Fractal Axe FX2 nice. um, as a monitor. And essentially, then I would re-amp it um, over in Ben's place in Limerick. and Because uh, I'm still sort of old. I like that kind of valve sound. Um, so, you know, on this album, we kind of use mainly um, the, the EVH, actually, the 5153. Um, worked really well for the rhythm tracks. And... Um, and then sort of, you know, in terms of performance, um, I use the Axe Effects through um, a Marshall Jewel Monoblock uh, 100. Uh, okay, cool. And other than that, I mean, for kind of local gigs, I mean, funny enough, I use that, uh, that cheap amp, the Boss Katana, which I picked up for like 400 bucks. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. and I just throw some pedals in front of that and it, it does the job. It's actually really, really good for, and it's life, which is really cool when you're getting older. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, nice. I was recording in Limerick last year with um, Dave Keery, um, who Ben would know as well. And, oh, uh, ama amazing player! Oh, incredible! And like it was, he had this wall of like vintage gear, and then just right below it was a little kind of katana tucked in. And I was like, oh, you know, I wasn't, you know, you play guitar for Van Morrison. I'm really surprised to see a katana. And he just turns to me and goes, like it's the best piece of gear to come out in the last 20 years. Like why did they, why did the guitarist cross the road to buy a katana? Like that's, that's the, it's a great piece of gear. Cool. Yeah. I think it's just in terms of like, it's, it's kind of a hot topic in terms of like getting gear and, you know, the search for the perfect tone. So it's good to hear that, you know, 
even like guitarists as accomplishers yourself still you know you favor you know the EVH or the katana or kind of stuff like that to uh to kind of i don't know to to satisfy your your quest for tone yeah no absolutely i mean it's uh I find, you know, with the katana, the, the, the thing that surprised me with that, it takes pedals really, really well. You know, it's, mm. uh, that's kind of what I was worried about. I wasn't so much into using the actual presets in the amp, but uh, it actually took to, I mean, it's, I have a very basic uh, pedal setup. I mean, it's literally a, a modified old Tube Screamer TS-808 and a delay pedal and a tuner. That's pretty much it. So it's... Uh, wow. Um, for for just basically for function gigs or if I've been hired for things like that, and um, anything yeah. that requires more effects, it would just be the axe effects I'd use for that. Nice, cool. sweet, cool. So I, I suppose yeah, I mean we've covered a lot of ground here in terms of practicing. I mean in terms of as a guitar player yourself with kind of a real background, we kind of like to ask people what would be your advice to to players that are I suppose like you know maybe like beginner to intermediate players in terms of kind of any gems you picked up throughout the years to kind of pass on to um, players that are looking to develop their skills sure um I would I'd pretty stress don't be intimidated by YouTube or you know these incredible <laughs> players that you see um you know because that never ends I still get intimidated by those guys I mean it's uh there's only so much I can take of that, actually, to be honest with you, because you start questioning everything then. Yeah. So mm -hmm. like, I, I think it would be important to stress that um, you can actually make fantastic music at any level you're at, I mean, literally any level you're at. And I would focus on just enjoying the craft and actually really just, you know, exploring um, musical ideas. Because, I mean, some of the best music you'll hear is some of the most basic, simplistic music you'll hear, you know. Um, yeah. And some of the greatest music can be, you know, have all the technique in the world. But, I mean, I really think um, it's important to uh, just enjoy the process. And, again, you know, if you get more into the technique thing, you know, just have a routine and just listen to yourself. Don't be too intimidated by what other people are saying. Yeah, have your own voice. I, I really like that. And that's, you know, like you were saying earlier, focusing on your strengths. And I think that's a big part of building your own voice. Um, and that's, that's fantastic advice. Well, I don't know if it's fantastic, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just something that I feel it's, I'd also say kind of try to look at the best or look in, uh, look at the best of, of things in, in people. And um, because especially the day and age that we live in, there's a lot of criticism online and, you know, and yeah. um, there's a lot of negativity. I, I would definitely, try to really put emphasis on, on, on an attitude of seeing the best and everything. Um, because even if a, if a guitar player, he might be, you know, not to the level that you're used to, you might learn something from that player. I mean, whether it's a certain sound that he uses or uh, something quirky that he does, I think it's always good. And, it, you know, it just makes music more enjoyable if you're looking for good as opposed to, oh, I don't like this, I don't like that. You know, it's uh, stay positive and, and really you can learn from everyone. Yeah, that's great. I, I really like that. I think in terms of it, what was really nice to see in, in learning about your music was, you know, going on YouTube and going on your Facebook page and all the, you know, really like positive feedback in the Irish, you know, guitar community. And people were kind of really encouraging and uh, complimentary of what you guys are doing. And, it, you know, it's funny, you see like YouTube comments and you think they're, you know, you know instantly that they're written by Irish people because it's like, mother of God or <laughs> Jesus, you know, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's class to see. Um, sweet. John, any, any final questions you have? I don't think so, man. I think this has been great. Yeah, um, thank you so much for for being with us today, Connor. Um, we'll you know we'll, we'll keep you posted with everything, um, and we'll be sure to plug your stuff when it's out if you want to stay in touch with us. Listen, and uh, you're more than welcome. And it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you guys. Great. Yeah. Last thing there, Connor. Where can people find out more about uh, what you're doing? 
Where's the best sure, place to go? Uh, the best place probably at the moment is our Facebook page. So it's basically uh, facebook.com slash the Enigma Division. And you'll get all the up-to-date stuff there. And we have our new song uh, called Afterglow, which will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for that one. Connor, thanks again for being on the show. Um, real pleasure having you. Um, yeah, just so many, I, I think there's just so many interesting things that we covered in terms of the idea of being in a band or a musical project where the members aren't in the same room. Mm-hmm. at the time of i think it, just in terms of being able to collaborate music wise um through sending each other sound, you know demos and kind of building on that i always find is a really interesting process um it kind of reminds me it's like a um, like a prog metal postal service sort of thing going on <laughs> and um so yeah the the enigma division i suppose it's you know, it's it's very like we've both listened to the music. It's really like film score-esque. We talked a lot about that in the interview. Um, yeah, I'm really interested to see because they actually have a single that came out last week um, Yeah, on, yeah, I think it was last uh, Friday. Um, uh, um, they, yeah, they released a new single called Afterglow, which I'm, I'm re- you know, I haven't listened to yet, but I will. Um, but it's, yeah, yeah. I, think it's really, I think it's really ambitious music. And I really liked how Connor was able to talk about, you know, his his blues influences at the start of his playing career and how that was like, you know, a, a big part, you know, Gary Moore and Rory right. were big parts of his you know, early playing. But, and like, for me, I'm, I'm like, God, I still, you know, I'm really kind of still stuck in that phase at times in terms of, you know, I, I, I'm, st- you know, it's like blues is almost a uh, kind of introductory music to guitar playing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's cool. I think, you know, the the whole Prague film score thing, it's really ambitious and I really admire those guys for doing that. Yeah, it's a very cool sound. I mean, I think I mentioned it has that synth wave vibe to it. Um, and just to piggyback off of what you're talking about, I think it's amazing that in this day and age, we have the ability, uh, even before quarantine, <laughs> the ability to record something on your home computer at your desk and send it halfway around the world and have somebody else record their part and send it back. Yeah, You know, it's... that's because, you know, they've got people like Jordan Rudis playing on this album and mm. what a great way to co- collaborate with somebody that you really admire as a player. And you don't have to be in the same room. You don't have to pay for airfare. You just say, here, here's, here's the track. If you could lay down some keys, that'd be awesome. So yeah, it really takes a lot of the like you know the limiting beliefs about making music like it just kind of removes them in terms of being able to make something with other people. Um, yeah, cool, Connor. We're really looking forward to the release. Thanks again for being on the show. But John, what have you been working on? What have I been working on? So, How are the riffs going? You were learning. Oh, riffs. hey, that's that's a good question. Uh, the ten riffs. So I've expanded and um, gone on with with some of the riffs. Um, picking up a few others that I've said, oh, hey, I should, I should dust that off and uh, either relearn some of them or pick up some new ones. And after last week, I decided to kind of re-add the ear training aspect to it. So cool. Um, yeah, I I wanted to kind of pick up a few. Uh, this is going to kind of go into my what it, what I'm listening to. Is that okay? We're just going to like, I'm going to blend these things together. Yeah, so, let's just do that anyway. I think we should. Yeah, that's probably yeah. fair. So uh, listening to some Wes Montgomery, 
I love Wes Montgomery, one of my favorite players, favorite jazz players. And at one point in time, I transcribed um, the Round Midnight, um, his, his version of Round Midnight from the Trio album. So I wanted to go back and have another look at that and actually do it essentially from scratch this time since I don't think I have the original transcription. Um, so that's kind of my ear training project at cool. the moment. Yeah. But, and, and you, good sir, what have well, you been you, listening to? Oh, wait, yeah. you've, you've got something? No, no, no. Well, I mean, like, in terms of, um, like, I just wanted to touch on that again. Yeah, Wes Montgomery, I, I was not aware of his work until we had Jens on the um, on the podcast, Jens Larson, YouTube teacher extraordinaire. And he was talking about smoking at the half note and how it was such a, uh, you know, such a, a formative album for him. So yeah, if, if anybody's looking for a good jazz guitar album, that's a really good one to start on. It's fascinating. His his playing is so unique and his right hand is so unique because he just uses his thumb. That's it. Oh, I don't really? know how he does it. That. Yeah. It's, and I think he gets a great tone out of it. Um, but I was mentioning this, I was actually saying this to my wife last night. I was like, I, you know, if I had a teacher, or if I were teaching somebody who was only using their thumb, particularly the way he does it, like he doesn't hold his hand in a classical position. He kind of grips the pick guard of his giant Gibson. Oh. And he just kind of like sort of strums with his thumb while the rest of his fingers grip the pick guard. And I, as a teacher, I would be like, don't do that. Use <laughs> the rest of your fingers. And it's just, it's so amusing to me that he's such an iconic player and his tone is so legendary and he has such a beautiful touch. And like here, honestly, if it were me, if I were teaching him, I would have told him ages ago, use the rest of your fingers. I don't care if you don't want to use a pick, just at least use the rest of your fingers. But he's, it's magnificent. He is, and it sounds so great. And he has great touch and control of his tone and I think that's one thing that really sticks out when you work on 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 something like this and we've talked about it in the past is when you're playing with somebody uh when you're playing with a record and you end up trying to emulate the sound that they get you really get into the nitty-gritty of the technique that they're using and how they use it and how they generate that sound I'm using a pick. I'm not using my thumb, but there's still yeah. a lot of little things in the left hand, the vibrato, the slides, the, just the control that he demonstrates there in the left hand that really make it sound like Wes Montgomery versus anybody else from that era. So cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point in terms of breaking it down like that and taking ways that you know you're not going to play. I, I had no idea that thumb thing is really interesting. It just it sounds like such an alien. Yeah, way. watch some videos. It's it is really interesting. There's a great version of him playing Round Midnight Live, which is totally different than the way he does it on the Trio album. Um, but I, and I always admire how how ingrained the harmony and the melody is in the jazz guys vocabulary there that when they're playing around with it, they've played this song a thousand times, probably more than a thousand times, thousands of times. Yeah. And and it's so ingrained and they can just pull out little <laughs> you know, substitute yeah, harmonies or just play around with the melody a little bit. And it's it's just it's absolutely fantastic. I, I love it. So anyway. Sweet. 
no, lovely, lovely little, uh, lovely little tangent there. Um, and yeah, you, I, good sir. <laughs> um, what have I been working on? I suppose the big one um, that I've kind of discovered that I've been trying to implement into my daily routine is uh, it's a. So I'd be more like I'm really into like alternate picking, and I'm not very good at it. But it's it's something that I've really been trying, like focusing on trying to mm-hmm. improve. Um, and in terms of like hammer-ons and pull-offs, it's never been something that really impressed me as a player. Some like, you know, Satriani's legato and except for maybe like Dimebag, it, it wasn't really thing that I focused on. But I, you know, being a, a fan of Bernd Brottega, who we had on our show not too long ago, I've forgotten how to say his name. Um, he has an exercise up. He's been doing these re- really good series of, this really good series of, just just kind of like technique lessons on how to improve your basic technique and one of them is the title of the video is uh the one exercise you have to practice capital letters every day and i was like okay my interest is peaked and with this click baby title bounce let's see what you got going on and yeah it's this really really interesting like odd time 14 note uh, exercise that is just a hammer-ons and pull-offs and it's just it's it's class it's like the spider in terms mm-hmm. of the structure but the timing is really off so you really have to think about what you're doing it's kind of like we, we were talking about before with uh, ben ellery's punisher it's like everybody like we can all mindlessly do the spider one two three four steve i thing up and down the sure. neck but when you vary that sort of thing up in a way that you really have to think about what you're doing, um, I find that those exercises to be really beneficial in terms of strengthening my technique. And once again, it's like some, these exercises aren't something you have to do for half an hour at a time. They're something like, you know, five minutes here and there, uh, preferably on a daily basis. And after you've done it for a week, you can really feel, you know, you, you don't, you know, you can feel your building up in terms of speed and stamina mm-hmm. and because sometimes when you get these exercises the first time you're like i'm not gonna get my head around this anytime soon but yeah muscle memory it's a thing and yeah. uh apart from that I, not a whole lot i mean just i've been what i've been doing is I'm, re- I'm recording a song at the moment and i've got everything down i've got bass and drums and um you know a, a few kind of very basic piano parts down and it's time to really put down the electric guitar and it's kind of one of those things where i'm just like because it's my own thing i'm just tracking so many different things and seeing what works and then you know or i'll I'll go for i'll put the song on my phone and i'll go for a walk and just see if i can kind of hum anything that comes along with that so that's really interesting and in terms of an exercise being able to do because it's like everything else Mm. is done because it's normally a song that I would have just played me in an acoustic guitar. But now that I can add, you know, fancy electric parts and overdubs, it's, you know, with, with different guitars, with different tones and different pedals, uh, it's almost like decision fatigue. You're like, what, what, you know, what do I put in here? What goes there? Um, so that's been fun. That's been kind of one of the main things I've been working on. It's not really a technique thing. It's more of a just like a, a musicality thing, which is not something I really practice very often. Yeah, I, I love that idea of recording something and then trying to go hum the melody or hum hum the part that you're working on. So you've mentioned mm-hmm. that before, and and we should we should revisit that at some point because that's in in a songwriting episode of some sort because that's fantastic. I I've always liked that. I think if we were to have a sharpen that axe drinking game, me mentioning humming melodies would be a take a shot. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a trope go. that I have. Woo-hoo! Uh, 
Sweet. So, friends, thank you very much. We are really happy to be back. Uh, we're just going to give a shout out to our Patreon. We have started a Patreon in terms of uh, early access to interviews and episodes, and we're going to be doing bonus episodes as well. So, uh, yeah, we, we will be posting about that on the, the Instagram and everything if you'd like to chuck in, chuck, in, bleh, chuck in a book, as they would say on the Wiki Planet podcast, people who inspired us to do this podcast. And we really appreciate it. And we know times are tough and, you know, we don't always have some spare cash lying around. But if you've got it, we'd really appreciate it just to keep the lights on in terms of being able to pay for our uh, Stitcher and SoundCloud subscriptions and maybe even get us some decent microphones. Uh, that'd be great. But yeah. yeah um, and let us know, I mean, as well, what are, what are the things that you have questions about? So that's one of the things that we're always open to. Um, what have you been working on and, and what are the things that would help? benefit you as players and practicers of the guitar arts so. <laughs> um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> i'm not beating that um, yeah friends have a lovely weekend so until then stay sharp <laughs>